Welcome to the Voices of Aging podcast, where you learn more about aging through experts. We are the Aging Studies Interdisciplinary Group, or ASIC, a student-led collaborative organization for the study of aging at the University of Minnesota. Every episode, we feature guests working in different aging-related areas, and they share their experiences and wisdom. We release two episodes every month, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in to learn more about aging every time you hit play. This is Madeline with the Voices of Aging podcast. Today, our guest is Dr. Mary Whipple. She's an assistant professor at the University of Minnesota School of Nursing with a specific interest and expertise in gerontology. Hi, Dr. Whipple. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you for the invitation. Let's start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you entered this field, and what your background is. Sure. So um, I started really being interested in aging through personal experience with my grandmother, um, who had very poorly controlled type 2 diabetes, uh, multiple comorbidities, and a fall in her home was kind of ultimately led to um, a fracture and, and her death. And so that's really kind of propelled my work in older adults, uh, with older adults, um, and in gerontology. And so um, I have a previous bachelor's degree in biology and psychology from Luther College. Um, but at that point, I wasn't really clear of what kind of field of, of health I was interested in, what sort of area of, of healthcare. Um, and so I went to work at Mayo in clinical research for about eight years, and I spent time in their fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue clinics, so working with people dealing with chronic conditions. From that point, I decided I, I was missing the patient care component of my work. I loved research, but really wanted to have the opportunity to provide patient care to provide, you know, recommendations and to support um, patients during these challenging times of their lives. And so I decided to get my um, Bachelor of Science in Nursing through the Twin Cities um, Rochester campus, and then um, went on directly to get my PhD, um, which is in nursing with a minor in gerontology. Um, after that, I spent about two and a half years at the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus in their um, division of geriatrics on their uh, integrative physiology of aging uh, training grant. So I spent a lot of time working with folks in geriatrics there um, and came back to the University of Minnesota in January. So I'm really thrilled to be back, back here. Awesome. That's so exciting. And we're happy to have you back here. Um, what is the focus of your current research? My research um, broadly focuses, focuses on understanding the causes and consequences of sedentary behavior among older adults, um, particularly people with type 2 diabetes, peripheral artery disease, chronic conditions that significantly impact um, quality of life, as well as, um, you know, have it come with a significant risk of morbidity and mortality. Um, more specifically, I'm really interested in um, focus, really interested in sex differences research and understanding how females and males may differ in terms of vascular function um, and, and the impact of sedentary behavior on our, our vascular system. I think that's really the focus right now. I'm also dabbling a little bit in um, developing some question, a questionnaire designed to better understand how um, interventions targeting sedentary behavior may be um, 
helpful. Um, and then really interested in wearables as well. That's another component of what I do or activity monitors because the ones we have are not great at measuring sedentary behavior. I think it would be helpful to hear um, a definition of sedentary behavior. How exactly is that defined? And broadly speaking, what is the connection between sedentary behavior and quality of life? Sure, it's a great question because I think most people don't um, really understand what the difference is between just not being physically active, not engaging in physical activity, and sedentary behavior. Um, and they're not simply opposites. So sedentary behavior, um, it's a relatively new field. Um, there's really only a, over the last 10 to 15 years has it really exploded um, and folks are really focusing on it. If you look on PubMed, it's only been a search, a, a term used in, in literature. Um, in the last 15 years or so. Um, but sedentary behavior, so in 2017, the Sedentary Behavior Research Network, which is sort of this network of people that are very interested in sedentary behavior work across the world, um, they published a consensus document to finally define sedentary behavior for use in research and uh, because it had been defined in many different ways. And so sedentary behavior is defined as any waking activity done while in a sitting or reclining posture and requiring a low amount of energy. Um, so key point there is waking. It's so sleep is not included in sedentary behavior. Um, and it's done while sitting or lying, which is the way we typically think of, of sedentary, I think, is we're sitting um, and using a low amount of energy. So if an activity while sitting requires more energy, um, it's not considered sedentary behavior. Um, so think about an easy example is um, a stationary bike, for example you're sitting, um, but it obviously is requiring more energy. And there's some specific metrics around how much energy. Um, for those that are interested, it's one and a half metabolic equivalents or METs, which folks may have heard of or seen on their treadmill or elliptical machine um, in terms of just a measure of how much oxygen it takes to, um, to sort of complete those tasks. Um, and so it's, it's different from physical inactivity in that physical inactivity or not being physically active is really has a very specific definition related to the physical activity guidelines. So someone who is physically inactive is someone who does not meet the physical activity guidelines. And as a little reminder, though, that's 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity a week. So um, someone can be both physically active, achieve those physical activity goals, and also be highly sedentary. So we're learning that it's not only um, getting that, getting those minutes of physical activity in, getting that 30 minutes, you know, five days a week, but it matters what we do in the rest of that time. Um, you know, 24 hours in a day, 30 minutes maybe spent in physical activity. There's 23 and a half other hours that we need to be thinking about. And so that's what the research is showing is that it matters what we do during that other period of time. Um, and it's important for older adults, um, it's important for all of us. We're all much more sedentary than I think we often realize. Um, you know, we as a, just a, as a population tend to be pretty bad at estimating our physical activity. We're even worse at estimating our sedentary behavior because it's the default activity. Um, but for older adults, they tend to be more sedentary than, um, than younger adults, um, than children. And, there have been studies that have shown not only are there negative health effects of sedentary behavior, um, for example, long bouts of sedentary behavior, more total volume of sedentary behavior over time 
has been linked to increased morbidity, so increased um, diagnosis of, of cancer, type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and mortality, um, independent or, or even in folks who are physically active. So it's an important health um, factor that we should consider in health. Um, and for older adults, they tend to be highly sedentary. And um, it is linked to quality of life specifically. So there have been studies that have, cross-sectional studies that have sort of, that have looked at um, higher sitting times associated with poorer quality of life. Um, and I think that's particularly important in older adults because you might think about why, not only do we, are we all just fairly sad, as a general rule, tend to be quite sedentary, um, but older adults may also being said be sedentary because they're having issues with their health, they're having issues with mobility, they have concern about falling, they're maybe experiencing loneliness or isolation, and so there's lots of things that go into that. Um, so I think it's it's important because it's a, a challenging area, it's a new area, and something that could maybe have an important impact on health if we can change it. Yeah, that's so fascinating, because I think many of us have, like, as you were saying, have heard how important it is to get a certain number um, of minutes of physical activity, but we don't necessarily consider the rest of our day and how much we're we're sitting and not really doing anything. Um, and I'm hearing you say that it's linked to morbidity and mortality, especially in older adults. So I would assume this is kind of dangerous for an older adult to be mostly sedentary um, when considering quality of life and life expectancy. And you've talked about like physical activity as sort of being separate. Um, what are what kinds of goals should we be thinking about in older adults to avoid being um, as sedentary? Are there strategies or things that we can do to make sure that uh, we can help older adults be less sedentary? Well, I think it's it's an interesting question. And I think that's one of the challenges we have is this field is pretty new. And so there's a lot we don't understand. Um, there's, you know, interventions targeting sedentary behavior in like community settings and real world settings are really um, are really new. They're not. There haven't been all that many, and we're still learning a lot about. You know, there's there's been studies that have linked cross sectionally and longitudinally have linked sedentary behavior and um, and these poor outcomes. But the studies that have looked at um, an intervention or have looked at some way of modifying it, you know, experimentally, those are really early, and they're only only linked to things like blood pressure, glucose, things like um, these sort of kind of interim outcomes, right? Like we know that high glucose over time, we know that high blood pressure over time leads to um, negative health effects, but they're sort of surrogate markers of cardiovascular morbidity and mortality. Um, in terms of what we can do, I think that's what is unique and um, really interesting in working with older adults is sedentary behavior serves several different purposes, right? It's not simply um, people are sitting because they don't have anything else to do. That's not what this is. It's sedentary behavior serves important functions too. Could be socializing with friends and family, out for coffee, out for a meal. Um, could be resting and recovering. Um, in some qualitative interviews we've done with older adults, folks have talked about how 
they see the time they spend sitting as a time to rest and recharge, as a time to, um, you know, recover from their activities of the day uh, as sort of a, and also a necessary thing that it's, 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 um, you know, they're older, this is, they've been out doing stuff. Now it's time to sit and, and rest and recover. Um, and also there are other enjoyable activities, um, crafts, games, um, all sorts of other things that people do while sitting. Um, and for everyone, but perhaps older adults in particular, um, these activities are also valuable. They serve, they, you know, they provide cognitive stimulation, they provide lots of sort of other positive things. And so it's not as simple as sort of eliminating those things. It's not as, as easy as saying, you know, don't do that, just go stand and walk around or, you know, do that while you're standing. Um, so I think we 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 don't know um, what the best strategies are. There's there's studies out there that are looking at wearable activity monitors. Um, folks may have may know or have a you know Fitbit, Apple Watch, those sorts of products that they buzz at you when you've been sitting for too long um, and tell you to stand up and move. Um, I'll say as a, a note, we we don't know. Um, we really don't understand the dose sort of relationship between sedentary behavior and these poor outcomes. So this every hour thing that the that these types of devices do is really pretty arbitrary. Um, we, we don't know that that's the kind of magic place to stand up. It's just that a lot of our activities are built around our increments. Um, so I think it's it's being creative and strategic in working with older adults to think about, okay, what do you do in a day? What do you do in a typical week? And how might you adapt those activities to be done while standing, while moving around a little bit? You know, I often give the example of like talking on the phone or those sorts of things. Could you do that? Put some headphones in and do that while you're walking around doing housework or other activities. We'll encourage people to um, stand up during a commercial break and, and do a couple laps around their couch. Um, those kinds of things. Uh, but in terms of what works we don't know yet yeah so it sounds like maybe even just being aware of it at this point would be an important piece of a potential intervention and on an individual basis like if you think of a time in your day that you could be standing instead of sitting trying to implement that would be a good place to start so many of our listeners are students at the university of minnesota um, so just as we wrap up here, if anyone listening is interested, what are your thoughts on current opportunities or recommendations that you might have for those students? Sure. Um, I think, you know, there's a few things they can check out. So one, um, if folks have not read it, I encourage people to check out the Physical Activity Guidelines for Americans. The second edition was published in 2018, and it's the first edition to include sedentary behavior. Um, still a lot of gaps, but they have lots of sections discussing sort of the need to um, sit less and move more. And so I think that's a great place to sort of get an introduction um, to some of the literature that's out there on sedentary behavior and and why this edition was, was the one to sort of say that they felt comfortable saying sedentary behavior is, has negative health effects and we should work on um, changing it. The other thing um, maybe to check out is the Sedentary Behavior Research Network. Um, it's an international group of people that are really interested in sedentary behavior. Um, 
it's easy to join, um, it's free to join, and they have uh, interesting publications that they'll send out, newsletters, that sort of thing, and opportunities to get involved and, and talk to other people that are doing sedentary behavior research. Um, and then they're also, they're, they're starting to be interest groups at various um, professional societies like the American College of Sports Medicine or the, um, you know, International Conferences on Physical Activity and Nutrition or Behavior Change, Society for Behavioral Medicine, starting to have more interest in sedentary behavior. Um, and then finally, I'm happy to chat with folks about the kind of work that I do and opportunities there. I'm a new assistant professor, so I'm still working on getting those grants to get those studies rolling. Um, but I expect there to be some opportunities in the future. And, and certainly if anybody's interested in learning more, um, there's plenty of happy to talk about it. There's plenty of data that could be could be looked at. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing um, those resources. And thank you so much for chatting with me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Me too. This podcast is brought to you by ASIC, the Aging Studies Interdisciplinary Group at the University of Minnesota. Follow Voices of the Aging and ASIC on social media for more information about the episodes and guests on the podcast and to learn more about us as a student group. See you next time.